This is the Dark Side of Aloha. On this episode of the Dark Side of Aloha, we continue our discussion with former HPD detective Cheryl Sunia. Enjoy. Right. Do you think that you could definitely see these reforms kind of coming? Um, we want to educate, and, and part of our process in our criminal justice program is educating about reform, mm-hmm. educating about emotional intelligence, um, knowing how to deal with your emotions, knowing what your body does during emotions, um, because I don't think that's part of the academy, fight or flight. You know, they may mention it, but or excited delirium, you know, if you have somebody who's on cocaine, math, and whatever, mm-hmm. certain things you shouldn't, we're not doctors, you know, but we're expected to do everything, that split second. So I think training and leadership are really important for police departments. You cannot have, oh, they're part of this clique, they're part of that. You know what, we all wear blue, we all bleed blue. Right. Um, and I tell all my students, you no matter what, you be respectful. I don't care if it's a child, an adult, a senior. If it's a suspect, a victim, or a witness, you treat people with respect. And, and there are certain terminologies. I teach a hostage crisis negotiation class. Mm-hmm. And we talk about verbal judo and, and de-escalation. And verbal judo is a term where um, communicating with people. And, and I think you, you instill respect and maybe those witnesses will come forward and talk about cold cases, you know? Yeah. So if you treat somebody, a witness who may have information mm-hmm. and you treat them with disrespect, they're not gonna waste their time talking to you because why should I, why should I believe in the system? So there, there really needs to be some professional standards brought up to par. Definitely, yeah. I mean, you can see that every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Across the world. All over the place. Yeah. It's it's yeah. really sad to see because, yeah. Um, yeah, there's numerous cases where I've read about in regards with cops just disregarding a suspect, or sorry, disregarding a witness. Right. And they, ha- they saw it. It was right in front of them. Right. And, it, there, and then it lays there for months and then it's and, and also laziness. You know, Sad. you got to, I, I, and I, I, with that, with that item I told you about Darnell Griffin. Right. Okay. The car that he used was a green um, SUV, mm-hmm. okay? So he didn't have one registered to him, but in doing a computer search, it was discovered that he had gotten a couple speeding tickets, um, an accident, okay? But it wasn't the green SUV. How long have you had your insurance for your car? Uh, years. Okay. Yeah. So he gets into a car accident and he has blank insurance. I do a subpoena on them and I find out every car that he has ever insured. Guess what I find? That car? That green SUV. Wow. Okay. So, you know, we we don't want to give all these secrets out, but there's ways to find things. Mm -hmm. You just got to be innovative. Gotcha. Yeah. Especially, I can tell, like, modern day, you have to really think outside the box because the criminals seem to be getting smarter and smarter. Right. Who would think to go to that insurance company and, and can you give me all the cars that this person has insured? And lo and behold, in that year, 99, mm-hmm. this was his car. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So um, going back to 
the Honolulu Strangler cases. Okay. I want just strictly your opinion. Um, now, I know we talked about that likely he was the suspect. Right. In your opinion, though, knowing that someone who matches description was seen at the scene, mm-hmm. his vehicle that matches description was seen at the scene, it, it, the road or area where all the bodies were dumped mm-hmm. were pretty much on the way to his job. Um, the fact that the lettering in the back of his car was then scraped off later when the news articles are going around. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that he was the well, the murderer. I can't say 100% definitive, but oh. circumstantially, yeah. yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Circumstantially. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Now, do you know of any other serial killer cases in Hawaii that you can think of at the top of your head? Because I know most people classify that as the very first. Hmm. You know, in the 70s, there weren't so much serial killers. Um, looking at, there's been cases of, I don't know, was it Ronald Ng and the other guy who had the concrete, um, we've had serial killers here Mm -hmm. who committed crimes on the mainland, but the association with them in here is they've been in the military here. You're talking about Charles Ng and Leonard Lee. Yes. 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 Um, Ng was, I think, stationed at one of our military installations. There was also a a man in New York. I can't think of his last name. I think of a lot. Pokipsky, it was a killer. He was stationed at Schofield. And, you know, there could have been the petty crimes coming up here. Don't know. Or maybe there was missing girl. You know, you don't know. Right. But when you look at a suspect, you look at where have they lived over their duration of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have a suspect you and they're arrested, you find out they're in the military. You kind of want to reach out to the different areas of the U.S. that they've lived to see if there's any similar MO type cases that do that. That's why we have VICAP. Right. You know, that's why a lot of serial killers um, are truck drivers, because they travel. And if you look at their routes, mm-hmm. you'll see that there are actually cases that are very similar in nature. And this is displayed on TV all the time. Of course, yeah. Definitely. Okay. But that's a reality. Yeah. That's that's definitely a reality. Yeah. Um, so, in regards with, I know, they talk about it in the news, but not as much the trafficking, the human trafficking that goes on, especially in Waikiki. Mm -hmm. Do you feel uh, women in Hawaii, compared to, let's say, some generic place that has medium crime rate, um, should be feel more uh, unsafe here than somewhere on the mainland? Due to the, uh, I guess, well, it seems to be somewhat increasing uh, the human trafficking rates. Unfortunately, when you get it on the island here, there's there's select few that are involved in recruitment of of children. Okay, so what kind of victim do you look for? A latch latch key type child that the parents aren't home, um, somebody who's out late at night, there's no supervision. So trafficking is happening here. But it's happening in good families where their kids have kind of gone astray or been led astray. So it's happening here. There are certain um, uh, freeways where trafficking is really prevalent. I want to say in Ohio, you know, where you get the junction of all the different 
um, freeways coming in from all over the U.S. Right, right. So trafficking is an issue. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, it's a breakdown of family communication. We should know where our children are. My poor son didn't stand a chance having um, two parents who were police officers, okay? Um, but not every child has that. Mm. And, and so is trafficking a problem? Yes. Mm. Um, prostitution is an issue. And our prostitutes come in and out. They rotate the circuit, Seattle, Las Vegas, here, um, and, they, and they go around. I had an interesting um, webinar that I attended, and it was in, in the third world countries where a lot of children are trafficked as young children. And so what they did was they wanted to go down to these populations and take DNA samples of all the children and of the family members, okay? They would put them in a specific database. And then if they were to find um, girls of trafficking, uh, whatever, victims of death, they would conduct a DNA and submit it into this database. And they were able to identify the major countries and locations in the world where a lot of children are being trafficked. Because if they're trafficked as a child, they don't know where they came from. Right. But you have, um, uh, you have certain uh, chemistry in your body that actually says the region of the world that you come from. So these isotopes or whatever, they're doing those types of things to identify where these victims. And I thought that was a big milestone because we're able to identify where children are most likely to be trafficked from. And I'm talking um, infant size. I'm talking uh, preschool size where parents sell their children. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, this is another step mm -hmm. to battle trafficking. Um, now, do you think in today's modern society, I know we keep talking about all the different advances that are being made, mm -hmm. um, do you feel like Honolulu oh, serial killer, the strangler, was um, on like for a year, right? Year mm -hmm. roughly. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like today, if something like that were to happen again similarly in Honolulu or Hawaii as a whole, uh, it would be over with within a matter of I don't know, like a lot shorter than that. Um, I, I, I would only hope so. I have faith. Um, Lieutenant Thomes, or Deanne, I know her as, um, she's very thorough. Mm -hmm. So the way they handled that young girl yeah. um, from Waimanalo, I thought totally professionalism. You know, you're bringing in outside agencies, FBI. We got to realize the resources we have here. They're not 100% foolproof. Mm -hmm. And so to bring in the other resources and work together with other agencies to bring our best effort forward. Mm -hmm. So I, I totally believe in the Honolulu Police Department as making a change, making a difference. I'm very proud. I'm very proud to say I was part of that unit and, and even though the um, supervision was different at the time and the people there was different at the time, but um, yeah, I think HPD should um, be commended for their due diligence in solving these crimes. Okay, yeah. yeah, definitely. That I yeah. remember seeing that case on the news and kind of keep up with it. And yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that they were able to resolve. I mean, obviously, sad the result, but I'm glad they were able to take people who mm -hmm. were. Uh, mm -hmm. um, so, so uh, 
the last question I'm really going to have, though, is um, have you seen any crimes as gruesome as the Honolulu Strangler murders or anything that kind of reminds you of something similar? Because I've seen the news footage of those crime scenes, and it's disturbing, to say mm-hmm. the least. Um, is there any case that kind of rings off the top of your head when you think of something? Yes, probably two. Okay. That really... Um, left a, a memory that's really hard to get rid of. One is the Xerox shooting, okay. uh, where Byron Oesugi killed the seven co-workers at Xerox on Nimitz Highway. It's a workplace violence. Mm-hmm. I never went to the scene, but in hearing, can you imagine seven people killed in one location? Yeah. I was the hostage negotiator that negotiated with him and got him to surrender. So for me, Um, It was really hard because I didn't know what happened. Mm -hmm. I'd only talked to him, and he's not your typical um, person to talk to. He's educated. He's not on drugs uh, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So listening to the story of how things unfolded in the workplace, his version, Mm -hmm. versus when everything came out at the trial, um, it was very hard because people didn't want him to survive. But yet the philosophy is to prevent further loss of life. And so I did my job. But for a long time, I mm, I felt I didn't know all the facts. Mm. So, you know, taking a step back. Um, the second case was within with Cyrus Belt. And Cyrus Belt was a young child, uh, two or three. And his mother was um, a drug abuser. And he was at home with the mother's boyfriend and the mother's father. And um, there was another person who lived in the same apartment complex, and his name was Matthew Higa. And Matthew um, was a user, was a, a, a drug user. And so everybody there, I don't know about the grandfather, but I know the mother, the mother's boyfriend, and Matthew used to do drugs. And there was some kind of falling out with the mother. And Matthew had um, enticed the little boy, and he walked about three blocks from his house. I believe they lived on Prospect at the time, up in Makiki. And he picked up the child, and he threw him off the bridge into the freeway, and he was hit by a truck. Jesus. Okay. So seeing that and being the investigator of that case um, was very hard. Of course. Um, having grandchildren of my own. And so it was kind of a turning point where, you know, where do you take a step back? Mm-hmm. And because uh, that's an innocent child. Right. You know, and having to treat this suspect with respect, mm-hmm. you know, to get to get whatever happened. Um, and the neglect of the parent, and, and it, it, was, it was just so sad. Mm. And um, so it's, it's those cases that, um, that I personally worked on mm. um, that just kind of, they leave that, that block in your mind. Yeah, so you drive past those paces, and oh, it just, it's a memory, you know? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to The Dark Side of Aloha. Stay safe.